Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, I want to do something before you guys sit down. We never do this, but I want to do it today. Greet people around you with a handshake and don't make it awkward. Ready, go. All right. All right. I'm watching all the introverts feel like it's awkward. All right. There you go. All right, you guys, you're making it a little awkward, all right? Some of y'all took it too far. All right. All right. Suzanne, have a seat, girl. You're taking too long. It's time. It's time. She's trying to I literally have an argument with you. It's so funny. We never do that, and we don't do it because my wife hates it. And so my wife had to step out for a minute, and so I was like, well, she's got to step out for a minute. We might as well be awkward. Everybody greet Wendy coming back in. Hey, Wendy. Wendy, we just... Wendy, we just did the thing you love the most is greet everybody else with a handshake or a hug. Yes, so she's glad she wasn't in here for that. So anyway, I'm glad you guys are here today. Um, I'm so glad we are getting to go through John. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So this is a little hot up here. You already know, don't you, Brandon? So I feel like I'm yelling at y'all. So I know, right? I feel like I am. Brandon, I'm going to move it down just a hair, okay? Is that that good? All right. I'll be glad when our real sound person gets back next week. Anyway. I know, no respect, right? Our our real sound person is a teenager, which she's better than Brandon. Anyway. Listen, I want to talk to you about the, uh, I want to talk to you about the, the verse we're going to be looking at today. Uh, the first thing I want to tell you is, is we're going through the book of John. Uh, we're going literally verse by verse through the book of John. Uh, as you know, we try to do that at least one book uh, a year. We go through the whole book. Uh, I will tell you that John is probably going to take two years. Sorry. Uh, but uh, I know it sounds like a long time, but it's really not. But I want to make sure we don't mess up or not cover certain things. And so this week we're only going to cover a few verses. What is the book of John? Well, the John, of course, is the disciple that Jesus loved uh, and he's the author of the book. Uh, he's answering the questions to Christians in ancient Ephesus. There's questions they had. One of the things about the book of John uh, that's different than the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is that those are synoptic gospels. And so they synopsize starting from the birth all the way through um, the resurrection and then the ascension. Uh, John doesn't do that. Uh, and so a lot of the things that he talks about are actually um, not in chronological order. A lot of the texts are not in chronological order. There are events that happen. The first 12 uh, chapters, they are the book of signs. And we're going to see a sign today. We're going to see sign number three today. But they're all the book of signs. It's the signs of what Jesus uh, did, miracles that he, what he did. Now, verses 13 through uh, chapters 13 through 21, they are what's called the book of glory. And the book of glory is... His giving his life over for us and defeating 
death. Now, the main goal of the book is, is this, and I want you guys to look at this with me. It's found in John 20, verse 31. And it says, but these are written. What's written? Those answers to the questions, the story of Christ is written. So that you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And I want to tell you something. He wasn't just talking about eternal life. He wasn't just saying you will have life by his name because of eternal life. He was actually talking about life both eternally and here on earth as you exist here. That's why John 10, 10 says that you will have life and have it to the what? Abundance. So it's overflowing life is what you would have. Now today's message is going to start with the first 9, 10, 12 verses of John chapter 5. But I want to tell you what we're going to cover today. Today we're going to look at the person whom he healed. And the whole, we're going to look at the whole scenario around the healing that occurred. Next week we're going to look at the theological ramifications of the healing and the fact that he did it on the Sabbath. And we're going to look at what Jesus, Jesus has a long, if you have a red letter Bible, you'll know, Jesus has a long explanation to these religious people that got angry because he had healed on the Sabbath and because the guy had actually got up and walked on the Sabbath by carrying his mat, which they thought was work, which tells you it was legalistic. But today what I want to focus on is I want to focus on the application of the scenario itself. And there's a term in, in, um, in a cemetery, I mean seminary. Uh, so there's a term called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is simply this, is that you look at the context around. You look at the location, the timing. You look at the people involved, what had happened before, what had happened after. And then you look at the, all these uh, things surrounding it to understand the verse. So can God speak to you by you just opening up your Bible to a verse and reading it? Of course, he can sp if he can speak through a donkey, surely he can speak through that, right? But it's best if you want to learn scripture to know the hermeneutics that are surrounding the, you look at, you look at the, the context of everything surrounding the verse. And that's what we're going to do today. And there's something that we can learn out of today. And then next week, we're going to see the bigger theological ramification. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about uh, and answering these uh, people who were religious leaders. And so I want to start by reading the verses, and it starts in verse 1 of chapter 5. It said, Afterward, <clears throat> Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. After what? Well, after he had healed the government official's son, he then returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. We don't know what holy day it was. That's not ever told. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches, Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone, uh, someone else always gets in ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. 
he rolled up his sleeve, uh, sleeping mat, and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And then we're going to stop right there. We're going to see that other things occurred. I'm going to go ahead and read for you through, the, through 15. It won't be on the back, though. And then this is what happened. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Man, that's ridiculous, isn't it? But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse might happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. What is going on with this guy? Well, the first thing I want you to know is that this would be the third sign. It would be the third sign of Jesus's, uh, of, of Jesus's seven signs in the book of John, of John's highlights. It was a miraculous healing, but the miraculous healing has a little bit of a twist to it. It has a little bit of a twist to it. Now, I want to show you, I think we have the pictures of the, of the pool, the, the pool of Bethesda. If we can pull those pictures up, that'd be great. So this is one snapshot of what the pool would look like. And there were these columns that were around, and this is just one area where you can go in, but there were these columns that went around. Can you show the other picture for us? Right there, there they are. There's the North Temple Wall. There's the Pool of, of Bethesda. There was actually two pools, and you can see around. You can see there's five, there's areas around where people could actually lay around. And what would occur here were and, and this was this was more than likely um, a um, a hot springs type situation. We know that because. Because the, the water would sometimes bubble up and a lot, of, a lot of historians believe that it would bubble up because of the minerals that the water was coming through were hot. The further you go down into the earth, they were hot and it would make it bubble up sometimes. Now I want to read for you what some of your Bibles may actually have in it. Just leave that up there if you would. What some of your Bibles may actually have in it because there's a verse that's not included in the early manuscripts. My Bible doesn't contain it, but yours may. And it says this. It says, they waited for the moving of the waters from time to time. An angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. That is not something that the Bible teaches. That's something that the Bible is saying that they believed. All right. They believed that an angel would come. But what historians believe is, is that, that it was probably that heat that was rising up. So you would have these two pools and more than likely these were used for purification purposes. They were, it was used for becoming clean is what they would do. But also, it's, it's so funny. Wendy and I, uh, we, uh, we, on our one year anniversary, we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas because we were at her, her folks' house and, and they live about an hour from there. And we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and we stayed at this uh, hotel. It was really nice. But I, I got to be honest with you, um, it was, there's signs everywhere for, oh, get in the Hot Springs, Hot Springs. And I got to be honest with you, that kind of grosses me out. All right? I don't want to be in a tub with nobody else. All right? It just kind of grosses me out. You know what I'm saying? Like me and, you know, all these people are in this Hot Springs. Supposedly, it's supposed to be good for your skin and all that kind of stuff. And that's really great. But I ain't doing it. And that's similar, that's similar to what we have going on here. It's almost, it's, and so they would actually have, 
They would actually have some purification things going on here. And there may have been skin disorders or whatever that they actually could heal. But don't forget that water in the scriptures also is, a, is, is almost used as an ointment. It's almost used as a cooling. Does that make sense? Because remember where they were. It was almost used in that sense as well. And so that's what we have going on here. Now there were five covered porches where they would lay. And it was used, the, the, the water was probably also used as ceremonial cleansing as well. And so the crazy thing is, is that Jesus sees the, 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 the man laying there. Of all these people, he sees this one man. And it's interesting that he picked out this one man and then he asked uh, a question. And the question was this. He said, do you want to be healed? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If I had been lame for 38 years and Jesus comes and says, do you want to be healed? I'd be like, duh. You know what I'm saying? But there, listen, I want to tell you something. There's more to the story. And I want you to listen and I want you to put your spiritual eyes on and, and really see past the surface because there's a lot going on in the story. The first thing is, is that somehow, somehow, and the scripture doesn't say that it was a miraculous way of him being, of him, of, of him being God. But Jesus knew the man had been that way for 38 years. That's the first thing I want you to understand. He knew it. In researching, I figured out that more than likely, this was common knowledge to people. You know, if you've got someone, seriously, I like Chick-fil-A, all right? And I got to be honest with you guys, that you're going to, Wendy doesn't even know this. There are five Chick-fil-A's that are in my locale. You got Poplar, you got the one up here at Thomas Crossroads, you got the one down at Line Creek, you got the one over at Stars Mill, and then you got the one at Sonoy. And I like Chick-fil-A so much that sometimes I'm embarrassed to go to the same one over and over. Is everybody with me? And so there are days where I go, did I go to Line Creek or Sonoy yesterday? And then I'll go to that one. I've driven over to Poplar before, but I can go those ways and get to work. The Poplar's a little bit out of the way, but I still go over there sometimes because I don't want those people to go, hey, it's you again. I have a... Isn't that funny? Did anybody else do that? Am I the only one? <laughs> I want to note that Leslie Gravensetter raised her hand, and she's the only person I know that likes Chick-fil-A more than I do. All right. So, um, you know, sometimes you feel down and you just need some Jesus chicken. You just do. Um, so, anyway, so I have a feeling, if we look at the surrounding information, this guy was pretty well known. 38 years, he was... He was pretty well known. It was known of his situation. And one of the things I want to focus on is my first point. Is that Jesus got right to the point. He didn't beat around the bush. He, didn't, he got right to the point. And here's the question that he asked. He said, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, some people would think Jesus would say it like this. And we know he didn't say it like this because of the next context that I'm going to show you. Jesus didn't come up to him and say, do you want to be healed? 
He didn't say that. He said, do you want to be healed? Why? Why did he say that? Why did he say it like that? Why did Jesus, you know, we know why he said it like that, because of the next thing that the guy said. The guy says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I can't be healed. I can't be healed. But Jesus got right to the point. He says, do you want to be healed? And it seems like a crazy question, but can I tell you guys something? A lot of times people lose hope. And a lot of times people embrace something. And I've told you this before, but a lot of times people embrace something where the begging, the heat, the, the being sick, the being a certain way is actually beneficial in their life. It's beneficial. Do you know, and I've shared this with you, I think, before, but do you know that there were, I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but there was a group of people from Marietta, a group of people from Marietta living in a large home, a large home that would drive down to our Walmart here in Noonan and beg. They, had, they were in specific places and they would beg and they it came out that they were clearing between seventy-five dollars and $100,000 a year just from begging here, and then they would drive back to their large home. Can you believe that? That's what they would do. It's so funny. One day I pulled up, and there was, the guy was there, and I didn't know any of this. And uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm standing there in my car, and I look over, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to help this guy. And then I look closer, and he had a newer iPhone than I had. And I was like, I'm not helping him. He's got like the 8 plus and I'm going to be here with my iPhone 5. If he can afford the 8 plus, then he can afford food. I'll buy his 8 plus for 50 bucks and he can go get it. He was at Arby's, so it's right there at it. So you, are you with me? Here's what I'm saying. A lot of times people allow their condition, their situation, um, their uh, struggle, whatever. They allow those things to become part of who they are. And what they do is, is they set up, and I tell this all the time, they set up, they put down curtains, uh, they put up curtains and a rug, and they put a lamp in there, and they set up shop, and they don't want to walk out. The bars to freedom are there. God will change your life. He will help you. He will walk with you. He will walk you through the situation. Not every situation can be completely healed. Sometimes God wants you to have situations because he wants you to have him. Are you with me? And a lot of times people do that. And so Jesus comes up and he says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? A lot of us talk a lot about our stuff. But the reality is. Is that that is a form of us putting it off. And what Jesus does is he comes through and eradicates all that and says, do you want to be healed? Can I ask you guys a question? Do you guys want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Of that thing, of that thing that, that has hampered you your whole life, do you want to be healed? Of that situation or that bitterness or that anger or that frustration or that secret sin, do you want to be healed? 
Or are, are you okay just to talk about it and to let that become part of your identity? Because I think that's what Jesus would ask you and me. And I think he would, he would do it pretty, pretty straightforward. I mean, do you want to be healed? Because I know this, and this is my second point today I want to talk to you about, is that we all have something that we've carried for a long time. Let me say something to you. If you don't think you have something that you've struggled with or that hampers your life, you don't think you have something like that, just ask your wife or your husband or your kids and they'll let you know what it is. They will. They'll let you know what it is. One of the things that we see in scriptures is a generational curse. Generational curse. What is that? Well, what that is, is it's when a sin of some kind is often passed down from the, from the father to the son and to the grandson and to the grandson and to the grandson. And it's a generational curse kind of situation. It's a repetitive sin that happens over and over and over and over again. And oftentimes families, instead of addressing the sin, families will let it go or they will enable the sin. So let me tell you my story. My granddad on both sides, both of my granddads, they liked alcohol a lot. Are you with me? I remember going and seeing. Now, luckily, one of my granddads actually gave it, gave it up before I had any recognition that that's what he was doing. Um, and he literally had a place, first, first, uh, first row, first seat in the church uh, for the last 15 years of his life. And praise be to God for that. My other granddad, I remember going to square dances on Friday night. Now, I wouldn't go to square dance because I was young, but I did go for the salty popcorn and the Coke. Are you with me? And this group of men would go outside around the back and they would all drink because if they and it's so funny because all the men would leave and go outside and the women would be in there talking to each other going, oh, I know he's out there drinking. And they acted like no one knew. And then they would all come back in and they'd be lit, every one of them. And my granddad did that. I'll never forget because my granddad was a carpenter, but he was also a hog farmer. And I'll never forget, I went up one day with him, uh, and he had walked off somewhere looking at some pig somewhere. And I looked, and I pulled this cover thing back, and he had a mountain of Budweiser cans, all right? And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And I threw it, I threw, I threw it over it, right? I was like, ooh, I don't want to get in trouble. So I threw it over it. But he would go up at his hog farm and drink beer. Never did it. Uh, it's really funny. I, I'd never seen him drink alcohol ever. <laughs> I was, you know, I was like, wow. That's interesting. Well, I know this will shock you, but my dad did the same thing. I like to tell people my dad liked to drink a beer or 10. All right. And uh, he would do the same thing. And my dad uh, yesterday, uh, it was 18 years since my dad died yesterday. And I love my father and my father and I were very close. But my dad had that one thing that he just couldn't kick. Um, and early on uh, in my life, he was he was he'd get violent sometimes. He'd punch walls and those kind of things. And I made a decision along with my two brothers, that I was never going to do that. And I made a decision that whatever that was is going to stop with my generation. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to say, no, we're not doing that. 
we are not going to allow alcohol to do that. And so I'm going to stop. It ends with me. Whatever this is ends with me. And going forward, we are going to have a new line, a new line, a, a, a new line of blessing, a new line of who we are and what we're going to be about. And I'm thankful to say that God has done more than I could ever ask or imagine because neither myself or my two brothers deal with those things. We don't. Nor will we ever. Because we've decided that we are going to walk and we are going to talk and we are going to act as God would have us walk, talk, and act. At some point you have to say enough is enough. And at some point you have to say I am not going to allow my children to deal with this. And that's how you punch a generational curse in the face. It's done enough damage. It's over. But here's the question I have for you, and this is going to be my third point. Guys, listen. When you decide to make a change in your life, not everyone's going to be on board. I want you to hear that. Think about this for a second. And I had never thought of this, and I didn't read this, but I'd never thought of this ever until, until like maybe a year ago when I was looking at this story. And I don't think maybe you've thought about it. The question is this. Who is bringing this guy to the pool? Who's bringing him to the pool? Who's carrying him to the pool? Who's bringing him every day for 38 years to this healing pool. Who's bringing him? Who is it? Who, who's doing that? Where are they at? Where are they at in this picture? Who's doing it? I have a sneaky suspicion that this guy, while he said to Jesus, I can't for I have no one to put me in the pool. I have a sneaky suspicion that this guy had gotten comfortable in his disability, in his struggle, in his, and you, you, named, the, you named the thing, the same way we do as well. And I want to tell you something else too. Not everyone is going to be on board do you know that you can't make a change in your life independently of everybody else? Because if you decide to change, other people have to change as well. Did you know that? You can't make an independent. You can't, it's not independent because you are connected in relationship with other people. And so the reality is, is that people have to also be on board with your new beginning. They do. And oftentimes people are not on board with your new beginning. Why? Because if you change, they have to change. If you change, they have to change also. And I'll tell you what I found in my own life. I found that when I decide to make a change or turn from something, it makes others around me feel uncomfortable because it's forcing them to look at their own lives and at some things that maybe they don't want to deal with. 
This scenario of this, of this man brings out a lot of different things. So the truth is, you guys, is not everyone is going to be on board. Not everyone's going to be on board. And I want you to know something. That's okay. I want to flip something, though. If you've got someone in your life that you know is trying to make a change, if you've got someone in your life that you know is, is on the struggle bus about something and they are trying to get some kind of help and they're trying, hey, do me a favor, encourage them to do it. You go out of your way to help them. You know, if you've got a guy that struggles with alcoholism, listen, do this. Don't, 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 you know, don't go out to dinner with them, you know, and, and, and order rounds for everybody. Don't do that. Eliminate those things. You'll do okay without your wine for a night. You'll be fine without your beer for a night. Because while you may have, you know, the biblical sense of, hey, you know what, moderation, freedom, fine. But that guy across from you can't deal with that because he can't stop at one. He goes to 10, 12, and 14. So if you know he's trying to do that, you need to do what you can do to help that person, to be an encouragement for that person. That's what I think God would want you to do. But not everybody's going to be on board. And I want you to know that that's okay. But I also want you to know this, is that you will live a life of regret if you don't address whatever issue that you have dealt with for a long, long time. My question is simply this to you. What do you want your story to say about you? What do you want your story to say about you? I often tell you this. I often tell you, and I think it's on my door out there. It says, don't make the preacher lie at your funeral. You with me? Don't make me lie at your funeral, guys. I don't want to have to do that. What kind of ending do you want? Well, you have to address it like Jesus did. You have to address it head on. And the crazy thing is, is that if you will, he will walk with you and beside you and guide you. And I promise you that you will get there quicker than you would if you tried to do it on your own. What do I mean? What am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. You need to do whatever it takes to get to a place where you're healthy and you're whole. Go to counseling if necessary. I say that often. And I refer people often to counseling because good Christian counseling is a help in time of need. Someone who has Holy Spirit living inside them and that pours over you and prays over you and gives you that godly counsel. Listen, God can use those people to help you in your healing and to walk alongside you. Go see a doctor if you have to. Some of us, especially men, are all stubborn and we'd rather live with some pain than go see a doctor. We would. I'm preaching to myself right now because my knee's been killing me for two years. But I don't want an MRI because I'm claustrophobic and I'm afraid it's going to kill me. So I'm walking around. I'm good. Are you with me? You with me? Listen, seek help from a pastor or a friend if you have to. This is a hard one. Admit a wrong. If you're wrong, admit it. And if you're not wrong and someone else thinks you're wrong, admit that you hate that they think that. Are you with me? There's, there's ways to come together without losing face, so to speak. Listen, why do you think the church exists today? It exists to proclaim and and 
see others come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But for us believers, it also, it also is here for us to walk alongside those that are in struggling because at some point you may be struggling as well. I want to encourage you not to carry things that are of burdens of you. Don't carry things in your life that are a heavy burden to you. And I really think that at some point you may be looking at God and he may say, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you want to get well? Or do you want to keep trying to medicate the issue? Do you want to get well? Or are you just going to ignore those people? You know, don't you, you know what I'm saying? When you have to go to Walmart and people walking down the aisle and you're mad at them or they're mad at you and you're like, oh, great, this is going to be awkward, but I really need that macaroni and cheese. You with me? Yeah. Do you want to get well? How do I know? How do I know that that was Jesus's context? Let me tell you how I know. Here we go. The man had been there 38 years. The man had had been carried there by someone for 38 years. The man was there trying to get into the water. But whenever Jesus asked him, he made excuses as to why he could not get into the water. 38 years. He made excuses as to why he couldn't get into the water. And then the man is healed. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. The man miraculously stands up, takes up his mat and walks. Then we see that the man is, is threatened, is, is told by the religious people, you can't carry your mat because it's the Sabbath. And they said, who was it that told you this? Who, who did this? And it's the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Of course, they're, Jesus had turned over the, the, he had cleared the temple a while back. They know who he is. Who is it that did this? Well, I don't know. He disappeared into the crowd. And Jesus found him. And we know now, more than likely, why he was lame to begin with. Now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. By that verse, we know that whatever occurred with this man was probably in the midst of a sin. And that it was his sin that got him into the situation. And we know also that at that point, the man's heart, he had been, he had been healed physically, but he had not been healed spiritually. And how do we know that? Because of what occurred right after. Because Jesus tells him this. Don't do that anymore or worse things will happen to you. And what does the man do? Instead of being grateful for the healing, the man goes and tells the religious leaders it was him. He's the one. That's what he says. Listen, don't be a guy laying on a mat for 38 years looking for the water to stir. Your healing's not found there. It's found in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this word that is sometimes hard to understand, God, but it's so clear when we look at your overall message to us. 
And so, God, we ask you today to do what only you can do. God, we don't have the ability to heal ourselves. We, we don't. We don't have the ability to deal with things that you put in our lives, that you, that you see that are in our lives, God, that filter through your hands, God. And the reason we don't is because we need you to help us and at times to carry us through so that we can have that healing. God, my prayer today is, is that no one would leave here the same way they came in. My prayer today is, is that they would be changed from the inside out. And my prayer today is, is that they would receive the healing that only God can give. That they would embrace the healing that only you can give, Lord. God, let us be humble enough to admit that we can't do it on our own. To ask others for help. And to wait as you do what only you can do. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and sing a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.